Hi, this is Mitch. And this is Keegan. Welcome to The Why. Today we're continuing uh, with part two of the oh, podcast oh. from last week. Uh, we're looking into uh, America's culture and all that good stuff. Last time we touched on colonialism and a bit. the specific traditions based around why we were not involved with Europe's wars up until nineteen up until nineteen seventeen. And we had finished discussing the particular trends of the armistice, what had happened then, and why even there was a Second World War. Be careful, there may be a lot of tangents ahead, but hey, it's all interesting and fun, so hope you're ready to figure out some more stuff. Strap in. So, last time we had left off, to give a little bit of a recap, we had stopped at... You should do a previously on the why, and now do a quick summary. Okay. Ready? Previously on the why, we had finished discussing the in the ending terms of the war uh, of the Great War in 1918 when it ended, which apparently everybody wanted to end at like 11, 11, 11. Weirdly mm, enough. Yeah, yeah. It's lucky. It's lucky. You can make wishes on 11, 11. Yeah, there was uh, there was unfortunately a recorded death at like 10:58 where one sniper shot a guy. Dang, gotta get it in under the wire while you can still legally kill someone. <laughs> oh, it's sad also. It's it's really sad because it's kind of... You can imagine he was wanting to just go home and he just gets a bullet through the head because some guy decides to be vindictive yeah. over his country losing a war. Which yeah. I can understand, but still. Yeah. I mean, but, it's legal murder. You don't get that chance very often. No, no you don't. However... The quote that was mentioned was that it, this isn't peace, it's a 20-year armistice. is almost correct if you go one particular version of it. 1939 is when it's widely accepted that uh, World War II broke out. And we, the American people, didn't get involved until 1942. Because 1940, it was December 7th, 1941. But some other people can quote, or can go all the way back to the early 1920s when Japan had started doing invasions into Manchuria and China. Hmm, yeah, yeah. Which, do you do you know much about that particular time frame for Japan? Uh, vaguely, you know. All that fun stuff. Attacking Chinese, hating Chinese, doing human experiments on Chinese. Well, all that fun the stuff. Specific, the specific stuff of it, and I haven't read much into it, so take this stuff with a grain of salt, but basically... Part of it was Japan kind of, they wanted to be like a great power, like any other country that's up and coming. They want more. There was a couple of things that happened with Russia, Britain, and the U.S. that they decided to step in and take a small port from Japan because they're like, no, you, you don't get to have that. Mm, they didn't yeah. give a good reason why. They just said, no, you can't have that. And then there was a big fight that broke out because Japan took it anyways and then there was just a couple of major atrocities that happened in that area and that went on the list of things that Japan, that the Japanese people and the Japanese government especially kept as a way of kind of like like a, like a list of bad things that happened to them and they're trying to get like revenge for it kind of yeah 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 
And this is, again, at the time, nothing against the people of Japan nowadays. I think they're great. Gotta love them. They sure know how to do some stuff. And there's a particular quote for the Japanese people that, uh, or... About or by? Quote, about. Okay. And it was more, it's more of a, it was actually, like, adapted from, like, uh, what was, it was from, like, uh, Israeli folk. Oh boy, okay. The exact quote is that the Japanese are like any other people. Okay. Only more so. This is good so far. They're good, like every other people. Only more so. Okay. Which speaks to the specific culture at the time. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of what they were doing back then was they practically worshipped their emperor as a god, which is Shintoism, which is another interesting religion that you, that you can look up. Mm. Uh, but they were, they were and still are extraordinarily intense about the live intent but it, anyways continue they're intense <clears throat> very much so okay in that there's a particular soldier and this should speak to precisely how crazy that can get who was so wrapped up in the whole like stuff that was going on in Japan with how they taught their people and uh, how they went about like indoctrinating them with a level of fanatic fervor about patriotism and what it's like to be to have an honorable life and other stuff like that oh okay i thought you were gonna do a list there because you did the finger thing but yeah just one all right just no. uh like i mentioned patriotism and uh and uh the rest yeah or <laughs> i mentioned patriotism and a sense of honor and mm-hmm. what they felt was honorable basically yeah yeah which um there was a particular soldier who was dropped off in the Philippines, in, in an island in the Philippines, in 1944. Mm-hmm. Dropped off there by his commanders and told to hamper Allied efforts wherever possible and to not surrender until his commander personally came and told him to surrender. This is the guy, the, the story where it's like he's just there forever and then they like find him like 20 years later or something goofy like that. Is that this? Specifically, his name was Hiro Onoda. Okay. And he came out of that jungle in April of 1974. What? That's crazy. That is really crazy, though. And he still... Oh, yeah. That's... The uh, the other thing is, he was a... He still had a functioning rifle, a box of grenades. Basically... So he wasn't doing much, really. Actually, he was. There was uh, he was he was shooting at a lot of the villagers because like he wasn't sure if they were actually you know like allied people or not. But okay, uh, and they had to fly. The Japanese government had to fly the commander out there. He was running a bookshop by that time. Really, they had That's to fly him out there at great expense to get him to stand down. There was an official like ceremony with that. There was uh, a couple of surrenders in 1972, uh, some a few in the 60s, a lot more in the 50s. There were still whole like units running around in Iwo Jima, yeah, that's uh, in crazy. the late late forties, early fifties. It's funny. It's really, yeah. but it shows just how intense things can get. And part of their intensity was essentially like when Onoda, when Hiro Onoda left, or I suppose as the Japanese would say, Onoda Hiro, because they do the last name first and the first name last. Mm. See, yeah. 
Ah, but his mother had given him had given him a dagger and said, "If you were captured, use this to kill yourself with." Yeah, yeah. The whole oh crap, what's the word for it? The ceremonial way they kill Seppuku. themselves. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, not like crazy, like oh, that's bad. That's intense. You gotta you gotta have strong beliefs to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So, but going back to the whole thing in Manchuria, there was a couple of major incidents with the army kind of going a wall because. The way it was explained is that the army in Japan at that time was only controlled by the emperor himself. Mm-hmm. And the government didn't really have much say in that otherwise. And, like, they had decided to do an invasion of Manchuria because they had tried to set up some commercial stuff there. So, some hotels. And then you need to build stuff, like, build places for people to live in so that they can, you know, work at the hotels. And you need to build some transportation does. systems so that they can go there. Yeah. Uh... <coughs> And then there was, uh, the Chinese people weren't particularly happy about that, and so there was a couple of incidents that happened. That's what the Japanese called it. Incidents every time. Mm-hmm. It's like, so, let's get some army people in there to kind of safeguard it. And there was a few more incidents. They keep going. A few more incidents, and they, by this time, everybody's like, why are you invading China? We're, we're not, trust me. This is just because we need more security, and mm-hmm. it won't go any further. And then, right as he's saying that, another push forward because there was another incident. Yeah, yeah. And uh, part of it was they didn't feel like the emperor at the time was up to the standard of leading Japan, so they just basically they said... They just did it? They just did it. Oh, that's interesting. And basically, and you might want to do some research on this before you really pro- proclaim it as fact. Are you telling... Oh, okay, yeah. So, so fact-checked him. Yeah. So, but that's the basic understanding that I have of it. And uh, so... There's a, and that particular concept is wrapped up in a, in a term called Gekokujo, which mm-hmm. is essentially a way of having a, like a pressure valve kind of release where the public, if they need to, and it's done with the right reasons and stuff like that, can disobey government officials if it is considered morally acceptable. Mm, okay. And so they, if they professed that to love the emperor more than the people that, were, that weren't actually doing anything, then they could actually get away with a light slap on the wrist. Hmm, okay. That's interesting. Because, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going into that. The Navy wasn't as happy with that because they were the ones having to do a lot of the fighting as well. Yeah. The Army could do all the boasting it wanted to, but it's the Navy that's really got the big guns. Yeah, So they kind of have to do all the heavy lifting. Yeah. But... Do you you know what year it was that uh, Unit uh, 761 or 761 started? Not to my knowledge. No, you don't? Okay. I don't know if it was around that time or not, but it's the thing where they're like, it's basically like the equivalent to like concentration camp stuff that the Japanese were doing to the Chinese. Like it was like human experimentation and the, uh, oh, what is was, it? Uh, Vivis- is it, it? 731. 731. Yeah. I get my multiples of three mixed up. It's really weird. I don't know why. It's like, so, it's in my head. I remember it's a multiple of three. And so I just go... Seven, thirty-one, 731, right? 61. Got it. Yeah. But that right. was in... Uh, so, uh, so arguably, Japan started the Second World War by attacking Manchuria in 1931. They waged war with China, which they almost won, by the way, because China was very fractured. There were communist elements, there were nationalist elements that didn't want the communists to get a hold of it, or Japan to get over it. So, there was a lot going on there. Yeah. But the exact... Uh, just like, do you have a date on when it starts? I'm just curious if it was going on during this time or it went on um, 
So, okay, so essentially it started as a research and public health agency, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah, that's how they spun it, is like research, but was it, do you, does it say a year? If it doesn't, it's not important. I was just curious if it not was like... Not that I can see. Okay, I was just wondering, because it, it'd be interesting if it started like, like they started doing it as they were doing it, like, like at the very beginning, or if they started doing it and then like it got they were dehumanizing the Chinese more and more and more to like justify the war and that's what led to it. Right. That's what I probably would happen. But I don't know. It'd be interesting. I'm just speculating. Mm. But what it would be important is how does America tie into all this? Well, essentially <clears throat> it ties in because again, we were back to not wanting to intervene in the Second World War. Mm-hmm. So Japan gets involved, they start doing a bunch of stuff, they start looking at their war aims and possibly taking on the eastern half of the Soviet Union, which would have caused the Soviet Union to fall, had they done so. really? Do you think Japan could have taken on all the Soviet Union? Not all. But, like... Very specifically, Germany had invaded in June of 1941. You have both of them doing a pincer movement against Russia, where... The armies can usually just go, you know, straight back, just keep falling back, keep falling back into their country, yeah. and wait for winter. Uh, that's true. But you have Japan pushing for the other side, and massive amounts of prisoners being taken. I mean, there's re- records of two 750,000-man armies surrendering in a month. Yeah, but Russia, Russia is a wild card, dude. You can never count. You never count anything on Russia. They're the wild card of the right. world. Well, world scene yeah and there were a couple of different factors but realistically i think that could have happened however japan decided on its war aims in i believe it was 1940 took a look at everything and there was this one weird general who (laughs) put in a lot of effort to like try to do some war gaming stuff he was like like really weird you should look him up sometime i forget the exact name but he was the one (laughs) who did the war game towards like trying to figure out how you would do a attack against the u.s when they're 3,000 miles away. Mm. So. When, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. So. With that said, what they ended up doing was trying to, like, uh, do a lot of naval maneuvers with aircraft carriers because they only had a certain amount of the Navy because there was a couple of restrictions placed on them. Mm-hmm. They went with quality. They went with really big, tough stuff. And so they got it out there, got some aircraft carriers within range as long as they were careful of a of an attack on the Pearl Harbor base in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And the, the, there were a couple of accounts of people who were on the island who were close enough to see the fighter pilots. Some of them waved at the inhabitants. Oh, really? Um, with that said, there were... The exact stories of it was essentially they did a lot of, like, really, really low-flying dive bombers that used torpedoes, like torpedo bombs that would... Because everything was still in the harbor, that would basically go really close to the ground. Mm-hmm. You release the bomb, it goes slams into the hole and blows up. Yeah, instead yeah. of sinking straight down below because they're in in harbor. Yeah. So they did that to a couple of them. There's several very nasty stories about uh, people who were trapped within the ship and only had a certain amount of air pockets because what the U.S. had done to make them is essentially make the holes that much tougher to ensure, you know, you don't actually bang into something and rip it open. Yeah. But that also made it harder to cut open to get the people out. Yeah. There's stories yeah. of people who survived and had to count the days down, and there was other people who drowned or suffocated 
Did you hear about the story where a guy recently, like, not that recently, like a couple years ago probably now, of like a chef and the ship sank and he was alive in it? That happened fairly recently. It's interesting. You can see. No, actually. There's, um, might even be on YouTube, but it might be live leak. I don't know. But there's a video of the divers coming in and they're doing like body recovery and they come up and there's just a dude in there alive. It's crazy. (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, But yeah, the stories are awful because it's not like there's a lot of water going in, yes, but. They're in port. They're basically almost beached. Yeah, yeah. So there's not going to be that much. They had time to get some of the people out. Mm-hmm. But the smash cut to Midway, and bam, America gives them a new one, baby. Eh, I'd prefer to stick a little bit more on Pearl Harbor because All right. there's we can, a few other stories. You can talk about Pearl Harbor more. Also, I'm pretty sure I redlined it right there when I did my smash cut thing. But oh well, it was worth it. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> um... <laughs> But essentially, after they did that, a bunch of them were already sunk and blowing up. There were a couple of bombs that were dropped from really high altitudes, like, at the very least, 8,000 feet. Mm. And usually you don't want to do that because you usually have the ships, like, moving around all the time. You have a very fast-moving plane, so you have to do really good calculations and hope you get lucky. Yeah, yeah. But there was one particular bomb that was dropped, and I want to say it was on the Arizona... I don't remember which which ship it was, but that bomb had the unfortunate distinction of going either through the smokestack and down, or breaking through the like deck of the ship down to where they kept all the ammunition, oh, all yeah. the ammunition, and we're talking about sixteen inch guns. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about guns that have shells that are the size of this table. They can't see how big this table is. Okay, so. <laughs> Okay, so think about the car you have outside. That's the equivalent weight of these shells. Okay, so a lot bigger than this table. This is a very small coffee well, table we're using right now. <laughs> it's uh, They pack it down, but yeah. Okay. But essentially you have that. You have several hundred thousand rounds of ammunition, of regular old ammunition, and several other like chemical weapons. The exact explosion was recorded to have launched the ship up 10 to 15 feet in the air and broke it in half. Yeah, that's crazy. And there was a, they had just refilled the tanks on these things to get gas back in them, so that way they could go home for Christmas. Yeah. The day before, by the way. So, Saturday, rather than Sunday. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Uh, and then there was, supposedly the sailors who jumped off jumped into like six inches of oil Oof. on top of the water. Oof. And there's a lot of fire going on, so you can imagine how that went. Yeah. But that severely angered the American people, and we're like, okay, you're going down. And mm-hmm. so that kind of destroyed any last remnants of the tradition of getting involved in non-intervention. Of, of non-intervention. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff going on with that. There was, I think that was like the post-war years after we dealt with Japan. We got involved in Korea to try to keep, A, Japanese influence from taking over again because they had kept doing it a lot in korea yeah isn't korea more uh keeping the russians or not the russians but uh, the communists mm, i feel like both sides kind of like they want to keep russia away from that they want yeah, to keep Soviet Union i think it was more that. about like but get, get those darn commies out of here yeah there was that as well there but i feel like it's both elements yeah. kind of. it's it's interesting though because you can look and like um it kind of seems like after pearl harbor that America has had a long history, or not a long, well, you know what I mean. But, like, throughout our history, we have, like, um, 
like the worry of being attacked again has always kind of been present because after World War, like after Pearl Harbor, then it's like, oh no, the Russians are going to attack. Oh no, the Russians are going to attack. And there's that Cold mentality, War. yeah, like the Cold War. And then like after that, you get kind of basically almost right after that kind of starts dying down. It's nine eleven, and then we're back to oh no, terrorists. Well, oh no, it's always America kind of has that weird mentality now where it's always like worried. we're going to get attacked, which is uh, interesting. It's changed yeah. a lot. Uh, but, yeah, that kind of, like, that destroyed any real premise of that. Because part of it is, essentially, uh, there was a there was a book I read that, mm-hmm. that, like, listed the last days of the war against Japan. Oh, so interesting, in August, yeah. Where it was called The Last Train from Hiroshima. A great book, I would suggest it if you could look it up and get it. Do you remember who it's by? Because that'll probably make it easier for people to look it up. Let me, let me just Google that so that way they can have the name. Okay. I also read an interesting book one time about... Uh, an American pilot who was helping train the Chinese pilots. Don't remember the title. Don't remember the author. If you can find it, what let me it? know. I don't remember. Or what were you talking about on that one? Oh, it was just a. It was like um, I think it was a bio. Yeah, it was an autobiography about a guy who was in um, in World War Two. He went over and was helping the Chinese on an air base and like training the pilots and stuff like that. I think there was actually a movie made about it. Really? See, I should look that up. But the exact book that I was talking about is The Last Train from Hiroshima, a book by Charles Pellegrino. Mm, okay. Don't read it if you don't have a strong stomach, though. Okay. Because uh, it, it has a revised second edition to Hell and Back. I read, like, the first edition. The survivors look back. But it was stuff that dealt with the immediate aftermath of the nuclear bomb going off in both cities. Mm. Have you heard that thing where there's a guy who survived both survived, of them? Yeah, he survived it and was like, I gotta go to work and he went to, the, and then he survived the other one. It was well, insane. The basic idea for that, for him, was essentially he, I think he had a severe burn on one side of his body because he could only get like half of his body covered in mud to keep the heat, the the dawn from the Pika dawn as the uh, as the Japanese called it, the flashbang. Mm-hmm. Uh, burned like half his body pretty badly. Yeah, well, but yeah, it's crazy. He dude. he he tried to go find his family who had gone to Nagasaki. He's like, there's no way that they'll go for that one. They just dropped a bomb on Hiroshima. They won't go for that one. Mo- there were a lot of survivors that tried to go to, to Nagasaki. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't it. Was it uh, Hiroshima or Nagasaki that was the one that was the backup one? I remember there's one where it's like they were going to go for a different, and then the conditions, they changed. Nagasaki. Was it Nagasaki? Okay. Where they had the second bomb going on, and then they there was clouds on one of them, and then they were running low on fuel, and then there was another thing with the clouds in Nagasaki, and then they just dropped it anyways, and it landed in a valley. Mm. It didn't give a firestorm like it gave Hiroshima, which the, the, the if you don't have... If, also... Don't try to imagine it. It's it's awful. It's also interesting too because um, I think the stat is that more people died from fire bombings than from both the atomic bombs because of just constant just bombings like crazy. Uh, it's crazy. Well, part of it is it, it technically yes because they were being bombed for a lot longer. Yeah, than the yeah. Fire bombing the nukes. It kills fast, though. Yes. <laughs> they, get, they get the job done fast. So, there's there's pictures, actually, that are in the book and, like, online. I'm sure you can view them if you just Google it. About a before and after picture. The bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima. You have the entire city, you know, looking 
normal as you would as you do you have just the usual the high rises the houses and stuff like that parks maybe uh cars i don't think it, i don't think it gets that detailed okay that, that's the unfortunate <laughs> part but you have all that the next picture over everything is rubble and steaming yeah at best that's, that's crazy what's even crazier is have you seen that uh like the chart where it compares those bombs to the czar bomb the czar bomb yes yeah that thing that would be insane that was that, that was reported to have an eight mile wide fireball yeah that's insane dude imagine if we went to war with those th- we'd be dead well the, really the big thing is the big thing is with those big bombs is that <laughs> you don't get the radiation poisoning usually it just gets launched up into space basically and just stay, stays up there until it you know becomes harmless yeah, to sure. a point. Yeah, but we'd still it's the probably fireball. be dead. It's the fireball because you have an eight mile wide fireball. That's going to be a rather sizable heat burst yeah. that will melt practically anything. But the actual stories were, yeah, vaguely awful. There was one guy who there was a doctor actually working in Hiroshima at the time in like his lab. The late bomb, one night. Yeah, what's that? I, think I said he, late one night. Uh, not, I might have actually said that. But, like, early in the morning. It was it was early morning hours, like 8, 9 o'clock, I think. Oh, oh, okay. So he gets there, he starts working, and then the bomb goes off, and he this guy's wearing glasses. Mm-hmm. They don't shatter, but something happens with a shockwave, kind of, like, messes with his head a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't need the glasses anymore. Oh, really? Weird. That's it very... It was a weird thing. What's, uh, do you know where you read that at? I, it was the uh, It was the book that I was... Actually, oh, really? Book. Okay, yeah. that's cool. Uh, everybody that's else... really weird. Yeah, mm. everybody else. There was one woman who had decided to wear black one day and got kind of vaporized. I think a lot of people kind of got vaporized. But there's a couple other stories. There was uh, the exact stories. I remember I could only read like two or three chapters at a time because I used mm. to be a voracious reader and... Mm, yeah but anymore it's hard to kind of like yeah it's hard to find the time definitely another reason why i couldn't is there's there's a lot of descriptions of like this was mostly civilians women and children basically because they had conscripted practically every single fighting man that could yeah and um like you have the firestorms where you have like actual like like tornadoes that keep going up there was radiation stuff they couldn't see the sun because of how smoky and hazy it got it's crazy that they rebuilt the cities though that's impressive and there's still they actually have a have have a memorial for each one yeah but look but yeah look up the book if you get the chance it is it's important because it kind of reminds you of the human suffering that went on Mm, yeah do you want to tell them the title one more time in case you sold them through this okay so the title of it is The uh, Last Train from Hiroshima, and it had a second revised edition called uh, To Hell and Back, The t- Last Train from Hiroshima, and then the ending of the first like first original title was The Survivor's Look Back. Mm, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I might read that at some point. So, the story focuses on individuals such as Sutomo Yamaguchi, a... Hibakusha, translated as an f- explosion-affected person who was the only person confirmed by the government of Japan to have survived the Pikadon flashbang of both attacks. And it's just the story of how the civilians responded, and it's a story of how they... how everything was put together, including the pilots, kind of, like, 
Imagining mm. having to live with that. But specifically, the story of Yamaguchi, he was an employee of Mitsubishi Heavy Industries, had been in Hiroshima on a business trip in August 6th, 1945, when the little boy atomic bomb was dropped about two miles from the hypocenter of Yamaguchi. Which was also, by the way, a it was supposed to like give off like 50 kilotons of energy. Yeah. It was considered a dud with 10. Oh, wow. With 10 It was really only kilotons. 10. That's interesting. And it just, yeah. There could have been as many as 165 double survivors. Uh, Pellegrino documents the random nature of survival with people who had been outdoors wiped off the face of the earth in a fraction of a second, while those who had been indoors and were afforded protection and shock cocoons from the gamma rays and the heat blast survived. So, people who had been outdoors or exposed to windows facing the explosion and were wearing dark-colored clothing received severe burns, while those wearing white suffered less of an effect. Because white reflects. True, obviously. true. Uh, let's see. Do you think that there will ever be, uh, like, let's say, like an armed conflict between nations where there's nuclear arms used again? I think it's almost inevitable. inevitable. Really? Like, armed, like, actual nations going at it and doing it? Very specifically. I do feel that they will launch a few, but not actually do more than that. It's kind of like warning shots. Mm, it's hard to do a warning shot with a nuke. Like... And when I say warning shot, I'm not talking about the city. The city's just gone. I'm just talking about the country. So, for mm. example, say, worst case scenario, uh, people start launching nukes at America. Mm-hmm. Usually, if you're going to do a warning, you're going to go after, like, I don't know, Fargo, North Dakota, if you're doing a warning shot. I don't think they're going to bomb Fargo, North Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you get, if you're just, launching nukes at America, you're going to have to do it to, like, you're going to have to wipe out America. Because America's kind of thing is, you take us out, we're taking the Earth with us. That's kind of like <laughs> well, our... Well, I, I feel like if you're just doing, like, warning shots, you start with stuff that's not important. Or you start with lesser civilian stuff, like, we got more here, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. But so, do, you think, do you think someone would ever nuke America? I feel like if you're nuking America, you would have to honestly wipe out a lot of people to make it worth it. Because otherwise... The mutual assured destruction will, if any, basically, if the government survives at all, your host, <laughs> oh, you'd my. have to be able to blow up all their nukes, and I'm sure we have secret nukes. Somewhere. I'm sure there's, like, there's that but, like mountain bases and crap. I know. I, I I feel like it will be used at some point again, mm. but if it's gonna be anything, realistically speaking, it's gonna be on military targets or. Only, and it's going to be by America, not by any other country. Mm. No other country is stupid enough to actually try to launch one. Yeah, well, North Korea. Um, They're posturing. You don't think they'd ever actually do it? I bet North Korea would do it if they want. It'd be stupid, but they're kind of stupid. Not they. Specifically... Kim Jong-un. Well, all of them are kind of stupid because they haven't risen up against him yet. But, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Kim Jong-un is... They're probably pretty stupid. But I think I think they're actually I mean, not that stupid. I think it's like it, the it's, reason they haven't launched them is because they know if because if if he launched the nukes, that'd give America a reason to come to war. And he, I'm sure he knows that they can't take on America. I mean, they yeah, did win once technically, but well, that was because we weren't putting our back into it. We just gotten out of the Second World War. They were also fighting a split faction as well. We didn't want to blow up the entire split faction. That's true. So you get the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. I feel like personally, if we ever see a nuke used in a hostile way again, I think it'd be more from like uh, like a terrorist thing. Yeah. I can't see nations really doing it unless 
it was like a rogue nation that was like attacking someone and they knew that they couldn't retaliate because it's like suicide so, if you can attack so for example anyone. you're talking more along the lines of uh say iraq going after jordan or yeah some small something like really that. tiny yeah. thing there yeah. Where they don't actually have it, or, or or weirdly enough, Belgium. I mean, they're small. That's true. It could <laughs> that could happen, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I don't really see. I'd be surprised if America, unless America, if America ever gets attacked first, like, or if there's just a mass invasion of America, I could see America going like, "Screw you guys, we're going nuclear." <laughs> I could 100 percent see that happening. I wonder if they would actually ever say that. Just like, just, just as he's doing it. Screw you guys. I 100%. Like, if America legitimately got invaded and it was like, Major. we're losing this, guys. Even if we weren't losing it. Even if it was just land... Like, it, say, Chinese came and something and, like, started invading. I feel like we'd nuke the crap out of them. I, Fair. I feel like America would probably do that. And now this brings it to the uh, conclusion. <clears throat> would we actually survive that kind of... A, do you think... First off, do you think there's ever even a chance that somebody would ever attempt a land invasion of America? I don't know. It'd have to be a lot different conditions, I feel like. Mm. Would you mind elaborating a little bit? Like, I feel like in modern America right now, I don't think anyone could really invade, honestly. But if there is, like, some future, like, decades and decades, maybe even centuries in the future, where it's like America's not what it used to be, then yeah, that's reasonable. But, like, right now... That'd be a hard war to win. Well, part of it is, look at the amount of land you have to conquer. Mm, yeah, yeah. Now, theoretically, theoretically, if you take the capital, you take the country. See, but here's the thing, is they can, like, America's, we, like, went through the trial by fire during Cold War, so we're prepared for these things. Because, like, there's that mountain base, forgot what it was called, it's, like, in the Alps, not the Alps, Appalachians or something like that <laughs> where it's like if like oh. the I don't know oh, if we can swear on this podcast or not if the crap goes down then it's like our government goes there and it's a base in a mountain that can withstand nukes and it's just we just they just chill there and go let's shoot nukes here let's shoot nukes here uh, I, I really hope they won't they wouldn't be chilling you know well, i really yeah. hope they'd be worried about the population but still yeah i kind of went point. i kind of went through a phase where i was into that like uh the hypothetical like scorched earth scenarios scorched. Mm, okay. which is interesting because there was like a proposed um fighter jet during that time where it was nuclear powered and it was like end of the world like we're just doing this crap it could shoot nukes it was also nuclear powered and it dump nuclear waste, like a ton of nuclear waste. It could like be in the skies indefinitely, <laughs> and just dumping <laughs> nuclear waste on the land, shooting nukes. That is so ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but uh, going back to our actual oh yeah stuff there, kind of, we kind of got on a tangent with but, the nukes, but it's yeah, it's I don't know, nuclear stuff's kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, going back through that, like World War Two, kind of like ended our our willingness to kind of stay out of stuff because at that point we'd been attacked everybody else was just suffering from severe problems mm. so for example germany after 1945 after the reparations there are pictures of people like actually like wheeling around massive wheelbarrows of of the german marks? currency marks yes because they become so worthless because they printed off so many of them 
That was after World War One, wasn't it? Isn't yes. that when they had to, to a pay? lesser extent? But oh, okay. World War Two was where they had to really pay everything mm. because I mean, you don't just you know exterminate six million people because of racial views and or more. Yes, yes, way, way, way more. Mm. And just go back to, hey, yeah, uh, we're sorry. We kind of elected a guy who made us do all this. Yeah, it's kind of a telling story how easy it is for the general public to just get manipulated into being, like, horribly evil. You know, actually, there is an interesting story based around that. And uh, kind of like we... The interventions since then, I'll, we'll finish that. We'll do that story in a little bit. But yeah. The interventions kind of like scaled up from there. You have Korea in 1950. You have Vietnam in the 60s. Uh, the Cold War was kind of its own thing that was weird. That's during all this time, though. Because like, the reason we went to war in those two places was, was like, because of co- was communist was because of the Cold War, yeah. Uh, and then you mm. have uh, the Persian Gulf in, ni- in the 90s. Mm, yeah. Uh, you have, like, the war on terror, which kind of really kicked it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's interesting, too, Iraq with Afghanistan, because, like, in Afghanistan... Afghanistan's an interesting country when you look back at stuff, because it's like, um, when Russia invaded, and we, it was during the Cold War, and we're like, hey, Osama, go, uh, go <laughs> well, haze these Russians. That's the basic idea, and there are actually parallels to a uh, Mexican terrorist, and no offense to Mexican people... You guys are great, and I know that some of you might actually, uh, some of you who are historically minded might revere this guy as a patriot, but back in, like, the World War One days, there was a guy by the name of, uh, what was his name, uh... I don't know who you're talking about. Cesar Chavez. No, 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 no. Uh, uh no. The drug lord guy who everybody hold loved. Hold up, let, let me just think for a second. Uh, uh right. it was... It wasn't Geronimo, that was, uh, Apache guy. Geronimo? Um... Uh, it was, uh, I forget the exact name, but he was pretty famous at the time because, uh, like, he had tried to take back some of the territories and, you know, ride across the border and do all that sort of stuff. It was, oh man, I I am this close to getting his name. Oh, dang, that's the worst. Tip of the tongue, that's... Mm. Pancho Villa. Oh, Or that's the name he's known by. Okay. It's probably not the name he actually had. Oh, yeah, yeah. But... There was a lot of, like, similarities between the two, believe it or not, between him and Osama bin Laden in the fact that we thought we could actually, you know, work with him, train him, get, you know, use him as an ally. Yeah, yeah. But that didn't turn out as we hoped either yeah. way. But interesting little parallel there, which you might, which we might want to look into later on. Yeah. So, uh, looking at all of this, do you think it was wise for us to ever be non-interventionist? ever been on it i would say yeah okay. i feel like we may have probably lost our way a little bit and become a little bit too much of an empire <laughs> fair we because we are kind of an we're an emperorless empire well the basic idea is essentially <sighs> it was the same thing with the british empire for a while but after world war one there was a lot of like public backlash on why you, on what you're doing so it's the thing is the way the, go- the way the government's thought was in World War One when they started making the agreements and stuff, it was, you know, done in secret. They did all these little things where, okay, you'll get this province, you'll- and you guys will get this province. There was an interesting little story about Italy where literally both sides are just, like, it's like Italy's just, if you can imagine them being personifications, it's like the, Ital- the Italy ambassador is just sitting in a room, Britain walks in and goes, so, uh, you want to join us in the war? 
we'll give you this province and this province and this mm. province and all this money and da, 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 and then they walk out and then the German guy walks in having overheard what they were going to offer and then is that all they offered you? We'll offer all that along with this, that, and the other thing. Yeah, Italy, Italy's got a funny history with world wars. And not only that, but it's just like, it's open auction, basically. Mm-hmm. But mm. by the time the world war, by the time the documents were released by the Bolsheviks in, 1917, in 1918, mm-hmm. everybody had lost millions, like 10 million soldiers, 7 million civilians at the end of World War One. Yeah. And by that point, nobody, everybody was like, really? We went to war over that? Yeah, yeah. They were all very, very... Yeah, angry. it was essentially a pointless war. Mm, it kind of was. Fair, but I feel like to an end it was, but it decided a lot of stuff. It did decide... The results altered human history. Don't get me wrong, but it was fought for pretty much no reason. Because a duke was killed, an archduke. Which... Well, it was uh, the exact mm. reasonings were yes, the archduke was killed, mm-hmm. but it was an archduke of a country that was neighbor to Serbia called Austria-Hungary and no longer exists. Yeah, yeah. However, the problem is once he was killed, there was an ultimatum sent by Austria-Hungary because you know you don't just get it, you don't just let them get away with killing a diplomat. You can't. Yeah. Uh, they sent a bullying demand to Serbia saying. If you want to remain country at all, give us this, 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 and this, and this, and this, yeah. which would basically eviscerate Serbian sovereignty. So they send a message to Russia, who they are allied to, because of Otto von Bismarck. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, help. Yeah, help. yeah. And yeah. then he goes, okay, starts mobilizing. Germany sees that and goes, why are you mobilizing? Don't do that. Please stop doing that. Yeah, I and mean, it says, spirals out of control, but I mean, essentially the start was... Really pointless in the grand... Sc- like, it's not worth that many people dying, really. Right, and I think most people thought... Most people thought, you know, it's going to be a quick war. Call it quick. Isn't it a thing? Is it World War One the one where they said it'll be over by Christmas? Is that, that the, was I feel spe- like they say it in almost spe- every war. Specifically, that was the one, yes, that... that where said, where yeah. the... Uh, where it was... It was it started in August, and the Kaiser, which also translates to Caesar, by the way, shows you how old the world is... Because, mm, yeah. you know, but um, he, the Kaiser specifically says to his troops that you'll be home before the leaves fall. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, <coughs> but also, and going back to another question on the, on the ending docket for this, for this particular topic, do you <clears throat> think we're becoming too interventionist or do we need to keep getting involved in these situations? It's hard, you know, because it's like, on one hand... You don't want to overplay it because it's like a waste. We're kind of wasting resources. We're getting our hands dirty and things we don't want to and stuff like that. But on the other side, it's like you're protecting your interests, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like if we do nothing, at the long end, it might end up backfiring on us. But oftentimes, we do something and it backfires on us. <laughs> well, it's kind of a catch-22. Well, I feel like if it's going to backfire, which way, do we, which way do you want to go out with that? Is it just going to be like... Well, we did nothing, and that didn't really work out. So that's true. Do you want to conserve your people, or do you want to ensure that to the world you try to do something and ended up spinning out of your control, anyways? Yeah. Where I, would you prefer to go? I mean, personally, I would like to see diplomacy tried more first. I feel like that is something that America should try to improve on: is doing diplomatic, diplomatic solutions. But obviously, 
we have times where we have to intervene. Like, oh yeah, there is one important detail: is that most people think of diplomacy as the kind of like the weakling strategy. Out, you kind of like you know like hey, it works. Conflict, yeah, but it can be used just as sharply as a sword Mm -hmm. in any situation. The Mongols proved it. That'd be an interesting to do a podcast on the Mongols. The Mongols are they're insane. They're, they're they're great. They they got their act together. Those bows and arrows on horses. Well, that's actually kind of a tradition that goes all the way back to ancient times. But we're gonna have to go into that on a different one. Yeah, probably. But essentially, the whole thing with how World War Two ended, and there was a lot of problems with like war criminals, uh, and stuff like that. But you remember the Nuremberg trials, right? After World War Two, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And do you remember the particular like phrase that most of the German like higher ups, especially, or but even like German soldiers who were being tried for war crimes? Yeah, it was only following they... orders. Exactly. Yeah. Which and you know, this is kind of interesting. It's a little making light of the situation, but I had a job a while back, right? Uh-huh. And the person who was running this place was kind of crazy, and me and like one of my friends who had the job. We realized we would probably have been Nazis. Because, like, a whole bunch... She'd give us crazy things to do. And it was like, you know, I don't want to do this. I feel like it's wrong. But also, I don't want to start trouble. And I don't want to be the odd man out and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting. I mean, it's like a microcosm of it, obviously. But it's like... I could see how you could very easily slip into being a Nazi. Uh, like, I'm not saying I am a Nazi or anything <laughs> close to one. But I'm saying I could see how an average Joe could s- slowly progress to being a Nazi. Now, Or at least not necessarily Nazi, but being, like, taken by very... Um, extreme ideologies. Like, extreme ide- ideologies, exactly. But... There was a particular experiment you might have heard of by the Milgram Trials. Do you ever remember hearing anything close to that? Uh, an experiment? Yeah. I'm really close to the mic. That might have been really loud. Um, it's called uh, the Milgram Trials. Give me, give me the deets. Alright. So, for those of you who don't know, the Milgram Trials were started in 19... I believe it was 1961 by a scientist... Uh, I don't remember his first name, but his last name was Milgram. So... Where he put an ad in a, in a newspaper for, you know, like, college students, basically. Because, you know, they, they'll do anything for food. Mm-hmm. Uh, he put an ad out, specifically looking for a teacher to teach to a learner. He would be running the experiment. Mm-hmm. And they, a few people signed up. And they were set in a room uh, in front of a panel with wall with walls around them, kind of, and... They had a listener on the other side of the wall who would be answering questions that they would be giving. Oh, this is the electric shock one. Okay. And <laughs> what ended up happening is they would they would progress through this through the series of questions, and if the listener got the questions wrong, they would be electrocuted. And there was a certain point where the listener on the other side of the wall was told to get the questions wrong and important detail here none of the listeners were actually being electrically shocked they were just the college students were just being told that they were mm-hmm. doing this and they're like making ah and like acting like they were shocked right yeah yes now <laughs> the 
there was a certain point where they were told to like get the questions wrong, or if you have a certain amount of like certain questions wrong, you get up to like nine or ten questions wrong, you're going up to a 450 volt shock. That's hot. That's high. And like there was a certain point where where they have the listener like start making like groaning sounds, start banging on the walls, start yelling, "Please stop shocking me! I have a heart condition." And oh, the yeah. person who is like administering the electric shocks, it turns to the guy and goes, mm, "I don't like this. Can we stop doing this? He sounds hurt. He sounds sick." The experiment requires it. You have to do this. There is no other way. Mm-hmm. And there was a certain point where the listener would just stop making noise making it think that they and that was considered to be a wrong answer Mm, so more electrical shocks and this coming from a people who had been indoctrinated in the idea of more of good people have uh, good people who are part of the country have a moral obligation to ignore orders that are evil or otherwise they were these kids who had grown up in that society had been willing to give the full 450 volt shock four separate times, a couple, several times, to an yeah. already unconscious person just because somebody in a white coat told them to do it. Yeah, it's the lab coat effect. It's the same thing where, like, if you uh, if you wear a reflector vest, you can get anywhere, anywhere. You can get it behind the scenes anywhere. You can get in concerts for free as long as you look like what you look like look like you know what you are doing, and you're uh, in a position of authority. You can get anywhere. Yeah, and the big thing with the reason why, like, that is actually the reason why they said they were just following orders. Think about who's at the top. Think about Adolf Hitler and the rest of the Nazis who were willing to imprison and shoot people just for not following orders. Including your family, if you were if you were unlucky enough to have that. <laughs> unlucky enough to have family? That's funny. You know what I mean. Yeah, but that is If you were unlucky funny. enough to have, like family be in the like firing yeah, line basically. i know what you meant but it's just funny wording yeah i know funny funny stuff so pretty pretty there's usually pretty good reasons for getting involved in like wars but the u.s has gotten involved in a massive amount of them mm. so i it's kind of an interesting open-ended question that leads to a lot of stuff yeah yeah for sure well what do you i kind of answered it what do you think like uh do you think we should have gotten involved in Afghanistan? Do you think we should have gotten involved there? Somewhat, but not to the extent that we are now. Go yeah. in, deal with stuff on the ground as needed, try to keep peace a little bit, and then try to install a government. Try to install stuff that actually works. Could... I will say, I don't know if I agree with the idea of installing a new government. Because, like, who are we to say that our way is the best way? Right. I mean, I mean like, I'm not talking about installing democracy. I'm just insta- I'm talking oh, about installing yeah. somebody. Yeah. And so get in there. Start doing some diplomatic stuff. Like, trying to get a new, trying to get a new person at the top. Mm-hmm. Once you feel like it's been steadied, step out. There's yeah. such a thing as overstaying your welcome. I feel like we've long since done that. Here's the thing, though. You pull out too much, you get, like, ISIS coming. It's a whole... Because you don't want to create a power vacuum. Fair. It's a whole... It's a right, whole... Right, you do that over... All right. <laughs> the thing is, like, it should have been finished off within within the decade of 2000 and 2010. Yeah, well... I feel... Oh, 2000, 2000. 
Oh, between 2000 and 2010, you say? Yeah. Like, like yeah. don't stretch it out like we have now. There's a lot of money to be made, though, and a lot of oil over there. And we can get that elsewhere. Or at least get it in trade deals rather than just being over there. It's cheaper, and you make more money. I'm just saying. <sighs> you and your mercenary ways. I mean... Janie did work for Halliburton. That is a thing. <laughs> Halliburton made a lot of money from those wars. Uh, but yeah, these kinds of these <clears throat> kinds of questions just don't have open ends or don't have don't have open check cases. You have to yeah. find you have to find out. Well, it's like you could have made a had a set like decision. I'd say like if you were a brand new nation and doing stuff. But now it's like we've already gotten intervened in some stuff. So now it's like, where do we go? Is this worth it? Is it not? It's like too complicated now. It's ridiculous. Well, I mean, that does make for good conversation topics. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, in, in review for all this, we had to change a lot of stuff. And I mean a lot, a lot of stuff. What that usually translates to is just unrest and stuff like that and i feel like our country has done very well with that think about what they had to go through just to even get to the point where we can intervene our country started 250 years ago and that's being might be a little bit off depending on when they got here in colonialism but i do it from like 1776 it's 250 you can just say 250 that's fine but like we survived a civil war we survived a war of independence with britain two of them if you consider like how we approach the war of 1812 and we were able to kind of help guide the world through world war one and world war two mm-hmm. i feel like we have done some good in the world yeah nobody no country no person is great at adapting to change like that like at that kind of a pace nobody's great at it we didn't yeah. do too bad. I feel like America is interesting because it's they really did like <coughs> were able to skyrocket basically because the world wars just basically propelled us into like right. superpowered them. Exactly, that's the <sighs> idea. And there's a certain point where you kind of need that extra oomph to kind of keep things stable. So, question for you: mm-hmm. Where do you see American culture and stuff going in the next 250 years? That's a long way to conjecture. Yeah. If you can predict this accurately in the future, you'll basically be like, uh, what's the guy that's always on the History Channel? Uh, Nostradamus. People will, you'll be on the History Channel if you get this right, so <laughs> no pressure. I highly doubt that. I highly doubt that. But I feel like, first off, we already have a craze about technology. It's only going to get worse as things go on. Mm-hmm. So I feel like at that point we'll have proper like Android stuff going on with people being able to do that, like you know, or like being able to do that, or like being able to make androids, or both. <laughs> I'm gonna go with both here because it'll probably be they already kind <laughs> of have those. But I'm I'm talking like fully developed personalities. Yeah. Like okay. That. Like you know where mm-hmm. you have androids being people. Mm-hmm. Which okay. also raises some interesting. Ooh, that's going to be a whole thing. We'll have slaves that are them, and it'll be a whole. Is whole that thing. really ethical or right, though? Because we did, we haven't done well with people of different skin color. How do you think we're going to react to people that we make? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that'll be a whole big thing, and then there'll be the singularity. 
they're gonna kill us all or make us slaves or something. <laughs> I mean, would that be such a bad thing? Yeah, it would be. I don't want to be slave. <laughs> well, good thing you won't have to see it then. That's true. Because look at how awful we are to each other on a lot of stuff. Yeah, I don't know if we'll ever see where there's actual androids though. Because really? I feel like most robotics right now, it's very specialized. Fair. And I feel like that's where it'll continue to go is very specialized automation stuff. Hmm. And I doubt we'll see like the home servant robot. I feel like there might be some, but I feel like it'll be like a novelty thing. Because like why make oh. a, why make like a whole robot to build a car when you can make a mechanical arm that does that's all you need to make. Fair. You know? Um, I do see where you're going with that, but some other stuff I feel like, I feel like the written word is gonna go way down in like, like, like the actual written word. Oh, like books, books. like print. Yeah. Print. Yeah. That's gonna go downhill. I don't know though, cause like hipsters, cause like vinyls, those are going downhill and now like that's super, you can buy vinyls at Walmart now. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. So it who knows? Weird. There could be a hipster movement in the future of like just fair but Print. even then it's still like but i see what you mean I, it'll yeah. pro- i'm sure it already is like in decline i mean yeah. i like it more as more than most other people yeah but yeah. anyway other stuff i feel like we might actually find the next energy source before then maybe oh i would hope maybe <laughs> i would hope yeah, uh, 250 years, yeah, I would hope. Well, by then we probably might have burned through that energy source and moved on to another one. Yeah, that's true. Because we go through energy at a ridiculous rate. Um, virtual reality is more than going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a regular like regular component of every everyday life. Yeah, I could kind of see that. Or more accurately, virtual reality, great and all, but augmented reality is worth that. Mm, yeah, I feel like it... I don't know. With virtual reality, I could see it getting really big, but it's got to get a lot cheaper and a lot cooler fat first. Mm-hmm. Because it's like the big bulky thing, though. Yeah, I mean, that's that's just not streamlined at all. It's not mm. really good. But um, I also feel like we're going to get... I, do, I don't know if it's going to be anything like what you might read as part of an apocalypse kind of thing where you have like a singular government overseeing the entire world then something goes wrong that kind of thing oh, like the whole new York, new new world order type of jazz exactly yeah. that, that's that kind of stuff and then taking over and trying to outlaw certain religions i don't know if that's ever going to happen but it i don't want to rule it out it might yeah that's a it's a long time who knows a lot of stuff can happen and honestly i feel like most communist governments are going to go down they're already pretty much down. I mean, there's not Cuba's, very many communists left. Cuba's yeah. not going to be communist very much longer. They're opening up now. They're starting to really. They're going go. like, oh boy, McDonald's dope as heck. Along with other stuff, you know, it's it helps to have you know public faces who play baseball and get them actual good PR. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I feel like, like most money. of them are going to go down. If <laughs> if King Jong Un isn't stupid enough to try to just kill off his country first. Yeah, have you? Nah, well, that's a whole other tangent. I'm not going to get on that. <laughs> not yet, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but I feel like our society is going to advance to the point where we're going to be able to eliminate a lot of like problems with healthcare, especially mm. because look at the advances we're already making. We've gotten to the point where we're able to do heart transplants. We're able to transplant practically every single organ and like thing in the body except for the brain. Do you think we'll see brain transplants? Because that's Crazy. We already do that. Skin grafts. 
Skin is an organ. Technically, yeah. We just don't think of it as such. But I don't think we'll see brain transplants because that require like doing full on like genetic therapy to actually get a new human body, basically. Because yeah. you're gonna end up loading a new person's consciousness into an old body. We could get to uh, oh, crap. What's that movie called? Ghost in no, the Shell? No, no, not anime. Uh, hey, um, it had a live action release. Whatever, it's still <laughs> anime. Um, crap, I almost had it. The Island with uh, Obi Wan Kenobi, oh. Ewan McGregor, and it's about like they live on this place that's like this nice island, and they're all actually spoiler alert clones. And they're actually like millionaires' clones. And then when the millionaires need organs, they say, "Hey, you got to go to the island. Like, it's a paradise and stuff." And they just take them to a back room and like cut out their liver and <laughs> use it. It's crazy. Uh, might have to look it up and watch it sometime. It's it's interesting. It's I feel like yeah, kind of garbage, honestly. I mean, hey, you can make that really fun <laughs> because uh, there's several movies I've watched the Alien franchise the entire way through the first one's great the rest of them are not good so you just turn it into a two's good two's good two's okay two's a good action movie but you start just break it down like you're a film critic like how is this gonna go wrong oh look at that who's gonna die first oh yeah turn it into a kind of a comedy thing that's what that's what i found where you can make this really good Mm, yeah uh yeah but generally I feel like we're gonna do a lot, gonna be able to break down a lot more stuff when it comes to like being able to say increase our lifespans for one. Mm, Yeah, 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 for sure. Take out a lot of stuff like you know, like a lot of cancer stuff. There's we can take we we've already gotten around to CRISPR. We can easily like do gene therapies to where you can take out the bad stuff without having to worry about like major health risks, like say surgery. That could that to take take out a tumor in someone's chest, for example, or uh, having to put them through radiation, which basically starts killing off everything. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. So I feel like we could really turn that around, but I'm not sure exactly how far we would go though on certain stuff, or if we'll even be there in 250 years. That's true. I bet humans will still be around in 250. We're years. like cockroaches. Kind of are. <laughs> um, anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? Well, subscribe to PewDiePie. No. Throw that in there. Don't even say no. Yeah, subscribe to PewDiePie. No. Continue. Don't even. No. Oh, my gosh. This podcast is over. (laughs) Continue, though. Do you have anything else to add? Uh, Well, just don't take us for fact, at least at face value. Make sure you're doing your proofreading, and if you'd like, look up some of the stuff that we mentioned. It might be interesting for you guys to read. Yeah, we'll link all the books in the description. Just kidding, we're not going to do that. I don't. No, know. but I fully expect you guys to be smart enough to look them up yourself. I don't. And, Such little faith. Okay, and with that, this has been The Why. Alright, let's end this thing.